It's not just good conversation, it's your voice on the weekends. Weekends with Kenny Rahmeyer on News Radio KLBJ. You know, I rarely agree with you on your subjects very much, but this time I do. Oh, yeah, you're great. I don't understand what all the fuss is about. Everything you just said in the last five minutes all tied together. Come on, talk to me. What's going on? What's going on? And good afternoon to you. Thanks a lot for being with us on the weekends here on News Radio KLBJ. I'm Kenny Rawmeyer. Always good to be with you. Here we are, the first weekend of December, and lots to talk about today. Four attacks on three commercial ships in the Red Sea off the coast of Yemen earlier today. Iran-backed Houthi rebels claiming ownership of the attacks, and a U.S. Navy vessel came to the rescue. Have all the latest from the Mideast coming up for you here on KLBJ today. From CBS Austin this weekend, a new report. Gee, what do you know? There is a link in serious traffic injuries here in Austin and APD officer vacancies. We'll have that for you coming up this afternoon on KLBJ. And some new developments on a near miss at Austin's airport earlier this year between a FedEx cargo plane and a Southwest Airlines passenger jet. And along with that, a scathing in-depth report in the New York Times this weekend about safety concerns in our U.S. air traffic controller system. We'll have all of that and a whole lot more for you this afternoon. You can always join us. Give us a call or send us a text at 512 836-0590. You've heard this in our Fox News updates. The U.S. warship in the Red Sea shot down at least two drones earlier today. That according to a U.S. defense official. CENTCOM said, yeah, there were four attacks on three commercial ships in the Red Sea off the coast of Yemen. Defense officials told Fox News that the U.S. warships in the vicinity were not the target. A captain of the U.S. vessel said that the drones were traveling in his direction. And as I mentioned, a Houthi military spokesman took credit for the attacks, said they were launched in solidarity with the Palestinians. The Defense Secretary, Lloyd Austin, was quoted earlier today. He said the United States won't tolerate attacks and will do what we need to do to protect our troops. Pretty much the party line from this administration over these many weeks since the Israel-Hamas conflict broke out. And yet what, uh, we just heard Fox News say 70-plus attacks on, on U.S. troops. Very little response from the administration so far. Meantime, National Security Council spokesman John Kirby, he made the rounds on the Sunday TV news shows today, said the United States is not sure where Hamas is holding any remaining 
Americans hostage and not sure of their conditions. Talks between Israel and Hamas to hand over more hostages held in Gaza in return for a pause in the fighting have stalled. And uh, Kirby uh, said that Egyptian and Qatari mediators are continuing to seek a compromise. And it's apparent a hostility is unlikely to end soon. Israel is refocusing its offensive on the south now, where most of the population is is concentrated. Uh, Kirby said, uh, wasn't sure of the status on the Americans. He told NBC's Meet the Press. He wasn't sure when the hostage discussions were going to resume. I'll say this, two things, if you'll allow me. One, Hamas is the reason that the, that the pause ended, because they refused to, to put on the list additional women and children that we know they, that they are holding, and they're refusing to let go. Uh, and, and two, uh, we're working it literally by the hour to see if we can't get this back on track. It's reported that the U.S. government's making an intense effort to persuade Israel and Hamas to resume negotiations so that they can again pause the hostilities and try to exchange more prisoners. 512-836-0590. If you would like to join us here on KLBJ, give us a call or send us a text. That's some of the latest headlines we're following for you this afternoon out of the Mideast. I want to get to this because... Uh, the silence is deafening so far from the local Austin police defunders, from the local anti-cop activists to step up and own this, this new report, the, the data from this new report, the results from this new report, which is not good for the Austin citizens, for Austin taxpayers. This from CBS Austin, that there's alarming information linking the rise in more serious traffic injuries and deaths on the streets of Austin to APD officer vacancies. This is a newly released report from the city of Austin's office of the city auditor. When traffic enforcement went down in Austin, serious crash-related injuries and deaths went up. That, according to this report, the number of crash deaths spiked steadily from 2018 to 2022, the majority happening on Texas-owned high-speed roads. The incoming president of the Austin Police Association, quoted in the CBS Austin article, said, nothing surprising to us. He went on to say, actions have consequences. This is Michael Bullock. He says, we've warned past councils that this was a consequence of reducing our police force. And it just confirmed what we said was going to happen. He went on to say, we can't be told to do one thing to the sacrifice and detriment of the rest of the city. Because if we're told to go to do these enforcements in other areas, 911 call times are going to go up. Our response times are going to continue to go up. CBS Austin reports, like many agencies, APD isn't issuing many citations because the number of patrol officers needed to do that is limited. The department's pulled officers from its Highway Enforcement Command to backfill 
patrol duties. And this hampers APD's capacity to conduct proactive traffic enforcement, according to this report. Since 2019, the number of traffic citations issued has dropped by almost 70%. CBS Austin also reports in the six weeks the Texas Department of Public Safety partnered with APD earlier this year. Data shows that crashes in Austin didn't happen as often, and the outcomes were not as severe. The Austin Transportation and Public Works Department said in this report that the reduction in citations and overall police presence, along with increased speeds on roadways, could be contributing to the factors in this report. So there you have it. According to this report from the City of Austin's Office of the City Auditor, a linkage between the rise in more serious traffic injuries and deaths on the streets of Austin linked to vacancies in APD. So I'll again ask the defunders, the anti-cop activists, and, and let's go ahead and say it too. Those of you who vote for these losers on our city council that are doing this damage to the safety of this city, Step up and own it. We'd like to hear from you. The silence is deafening so far. 512-836-0590 here on KLBJ. We're just getting started. Lots more to get to, some more local news. And you got to hear the update on new details from this near miss at Austin's airport earlier this year, along with a scathing report out of the New York Times about the safety of our air traffic control system. Southwest aboard. FedEx is on the go. We'll have it coming up for you here on KLBJ. And Kenny Rawmeyer back with you here on a Sunday afternoon. Always good to be with you on the weekends on KLBJ. We're live and local for you this afternoon. Just joined us. Some of the things we're talking about this afternoon, some attacks on some commercial ships in the Red Sea off the coast of Yemen. The Iran-backed Houthi rebels took ownership of the attacks. A U.S. Navy vessel came to the rescue, knocked a couple of the drones out of the air. All the latest on the Mideast for you this afternoon. Also from CBS Austin this weekend, a new report about the link in serious traffic injuries here in Austin and the lack of APD officers on the streets. We're talking about that this afternoon and coming up. Some new developments on a near miss at Austin's airport. This was back in February of this year between a FedEx cargo plane and a Southwest Air passenger jet. And along with that, uh, an incredibly scathing in-depth report from the New York Times about safety concerns, whistleblower reports from our air traffic controller system. All that coming up for you. Here on KLBJ, and you can join us at 512-836-0590. Give us a call or send us a text here on KLBJ. Chris calling in this afternoon on KLBJ. Hi, Chris. Hello, Kenny. I was listening to your report about uh, the traffic situation here in Austin. I can certainly testify to that. I see people run red lights and stop signs every day. I see all sorts of crazy driving out there. But what bothers me is that this idiotic city council we have, with the exception of Mackenzie Kelly, 
they may use this to say, well, this is even further proof that we need light rail and more buses. And this reminds me of the first time Kirk Watson was mayor. When he came in in the late 90s, he said one of his top priorities was to fix the traffic lights in Austin, Texas. How did that work? Yeah, Chris, thank you. Uh, It remains to be seen, at least from my vantage point, if our relatively new mayor, Kirk Watson, is going to be a part of the solution to many of the issues that this city faces or part of the problem. He so far hasn't demonstrated to me he's going to be a part of the solution on almost any front. And you, you bring up a point about how, yeah, very likely these phony weasels, with the exception of Mackenzie Kelly on the city council, could very likely use this report from CBS Austin and from the city of Austin's office of the auditor to instead of the the common sense thing, which would be more law enforcement on the streets, but to uh, try to say, yeah, well, this is all the more reason we need more bicycles and uh, electric bikes, I guess, and uh, choo-choo trains and all the rest, right? You might be right, sadly. 512-836-0590. You can give us a call or send us a text here on KLBJ. A few other local headlines before we get to the latest on this near miss out at ABIA. KVU is reporting today, Austin Police Department's investigating a man injured in an officer-involved shooting South Austin yesterday morning. It happened around the intersection of Manshack Road and West Ditmar Road. Around 9.24 yesterday morning, 911 caller reported a man in his 40s at a house was suffering from a mental health crisis. That this man was cutting his wrists and was severely bleeding. Officers arrived on the scene about seven minutes later, made contact with the 911 caller outside the house, and then according to police, when officers entered the house, man called out, pointed a gun at him. One officer deployed his taser. APD said that was, quote, ineffective, end quote, and then both officers fired their service weapons at the man and, and struck him. And during that gunfire, the man reportedly moved and hid from the officers to additional APD officers who are mental health officers arrived on the scene, made entry into the house, and within about five minutes, the officers were able to locate the man in the house, take him into custody. All this was captured on, according to KVU, on the officers' body-worn cameras. And per APD policy, it's going to be released within... 10 business days. One of the officers involved who fired his weapon had five years and 11 months of service with the department. The other officer, 11 years and nine months of service. Both officers placed on administrative duty. And then from KXAN, an APD officer was injured early this morning in a crash on Highway 71 around 2.30 a.m., Crash between an APD police car and another vehicle with a suspected intoxicated driver. The driver taken into custody. The APD officer was taken to the hospital with injuries. According to KXAN, another uh, report, this from KI, about two auto-pedestrian collisions. One in North Austin last night just before 10 p.m. Another last night 
around 8.30 on Rutland Drive and North Lamar. Not a lot of details on either of those incidents at this point. And then, back to KXAN, a report of a security officer shot early this morning while working security at Top Golf in North Austin. Security company says two officers issued a trespass warning to two men for disorderly conduct and public intoxication. This was around 10.30 last night. The two men reportedly left, but then the two male subjects returned around midnight with one or two other men began assaulting the security officers. One of the officers tried to call for backup, but the radio was, quote, smacked out of his hands. End quote. The company said there was a physical struggle. One of the men shot one of the officers from behind. The uninjured security officer, who's also an emergency medical technician, began life-saving measures. The wounded officer was taken to a local trauma center around 1215 with serious life-threatening injuries. That, according to Austin Travis County EMS. Uh, the company said the officer was in serious but stable condition as of this morning. APD says they're investigating this shooting, and uh, at least as of when we went on the air, subjects still at large this afternoon. Just uh, a few of the other local headlines we're following for you here this afternoon. 512-836-0590. Give us a call or send us a text here on KLBJ. I want to get to this. Some new details on a near miss at Austin's airport earlier this year. This was a FedEx cargo plane that nearly collided with a Southwest Airlines flight early February out at the airport. It was FedEx flight 1432 from Memphis, cleared to land on runway 18 at ABIA on early Saturday morning, February 4th. Seconds later... A Southwest Airlines flight, 708, also alerted air traffic control that it was ready for departure short of the runway. And then moments later, it appears the air traffic controller seemed to realize the Southwest flight was, was slow to move on the runway. And then you'll hear the, the audio recording here as... The, uh, the FedEx pilot appears to say Southwest aboard, FedEx is on the go. Well, then the air traffic controller instructs the Southwest pilot to turn right when able, but the pilot says negative and proceeds to take off. The plane presumably had reached commit to fly speed and couldn't safely abort. So the FedEx plane aborted its landing and initiated a climb-out or a go-around, that according to the Federal Aviation Administration. So there's been a 3,000-page report issued now, the National Transportation Safety Board, and I'll get into more details about that report in, in just a moment, but here's, uh, here's some of that audio from the the back and forth air traffic control and these two planes early February this year. Southwest 708 off the tire, runway 18 left RVI 1200, midpoint 600, rollout 1600. Flight heading 170, runway 18 left, clip takeoff, traffic three mile final, it was a heavy 767. 
Okay, one seven zero, clear for takeoff. One eight left. Copy the traffic. Southwest seven zero eight. Tower confirm. Uh, FedEx fourteen thirty two. Heavy clear to land on one eight left. FedEx fourteen thirty two. Heavy. That is a firm, sir. One eight left. You are clear to land. Traffic departing. Roger. Route to seven thirty seven. Roger. Southwest abort. FedEx is on the go. Southwest seven zero eight. Roger. You can turn right when able. Negative. FedEx fourteen thirty two. Climb maintain three thousand. When able, you can turn left heading zero eight zero. Wind turn to zero zero three thousand FedEx fourteen thirty two heavy. Southwest seven zero. You can turn uh, left heading one seven zero. One seventy seven seven nine. FedEx fourteen thirty two. Turn left heading three six zero. Contact approach on the one two five point three two. Okay, and obviously the operative part of about a minute of audio was was this brief portion. Southwest abort. FedEx is on the go. The Associated Press uh, reporting on this says the air traffic controller on duty when the FedEx and the Southwest planes nearly collided told investigators that he had expected that Southwest airliner to take off more quickly before that incoming FedEx plane had reached the same runway. So we'll have more details on this and that scathing report out of the New York Times about our air traffic control system coming up on KLBJ. And Kenny Rahlmeyer back with you here on a Sunday afternoon, live and local for you on News Radio KLBJ Weekends with Kenny Rahlmeyer. Thanks a lot for being with us. Uh, a quick update. I've been keeping you posted on the latest out of the Mideast about some attacks by the Iran-backed Houthi rebels on three commercial ships in the Red Sea off the coast of Yemen. Earlier today, uh, a USS a carrier came to the rescue, and Fox News has just reported uh, an update that the, the USS uh, Carnegie shot down three drones midair today, not two as earlier reported. So that just came in and wanted to give you the latest on that. 512-836-0590. Give us a call or send us a text here on KLBJ if, uh, if you'd like to join the conversation. Giving you the latest on some new details on this near miss at Austin's airport earlier this year between a FedEx cargo plane and a Southwest Airlines flight. They missed one another by uh, about 100 feet According to the latest report, investigation from the National Transportation Safety Board, the KXAN reported some of the new details on this 3,000-page report investigating the incident and, and also uh, some reporting from the Associated Press. So right before the news break, I mentioned the air traffic controller on duty when those two planes nearly collided, told investigators that as the FedEx plane was coming in for a landing, the Southwest plane was, was going to be taking off. He thought the Southwest airline plane was going to be taking off more quickly. That's why he gave the incoming FedEx plane the go-ahead to land on the same runway. He said that's because in his four years working at the tower at ABIA, Southwest planes usually took off as soon as they got permission. This controller told investigators, said hindsight being 2020, he definitely could have held them, referring to making the Southwest crew wait. 
The same controller said in a transcript that he couldn't even see the Southwest plane through the dense early morning fog on that Saturday, February 4th. The FedEx pilots spotted the Southwest plane at the last second and aborted their landing. Southwest abort. FedEx is on the go. So the National Transportation Safety Board investigation didn't state a probable cause. They said the determinations expected early next year. Reports said the planes missed each other by about 100 feet. This air traffic controller is a Navy veteran. He'd been a controller for 13 years at the time of that incident. He was on a mandatory six-day work week. Keep that little nugget in mind, mandatory six-day work week, as I will get to in just a moment, this incredibly scathing report out of the New York Times about our air traffic controller system. And six-day work weeks are, are very much the norm, as we learn in this New York Times report that I'll get to in, in just a moment. So back to this report about the FAA and the National Transportation Safety Board investigation, 3,000-page report, and some of the topics in this report as to what could have caused this near-miss, things like the weather was like that day, the kind of training and experience that the crews of the planes have, sleep schedules, how the crews handle certain situations. No mention, at least from KXAN and from the Associated Press out of the Dallas Morning News, of any of air traffic controllers being a part of the issue here. According to an FAA report, last year saw 1,700 close calls like the situation in Austin in February. That's up from the year before. And the majority of those instances were blamed on pilot error. Panel of independent experts concluded last month that the FAA needs better staffing amongst the air traffic controllers, better equipment, better technology to cope with the surge in serious close calls. So here comes this New York Times piece. And as you print it out, it's multiple pages. And I'll just... I, I'm going to refrain from citing a lot of these specific instances that were, that were featured in this report. I mean, there's a lot of you in our audience, I know. You're a part of the flying public. You're going to hear some of these reports, some of these incidents from some of the whistleblowers that have come forward talking about this stuff. You're not going to feel real comfortable out of hearing a lot of this. I mean, there's one air traffic controller went into work drunk this summer, joked about, quote, making big money buzzed, end quote. Another, according to the New York Times, routinely smoked weed during breaks. A third employee threatened violence and then aggressively pushed a colleague who was directing airplanes. And, and those... Are, are some extreme examples, yeah, but they fit into a pattern, according to the New York Times, that shows some pretty glaring vulnerabilities in our 
Air Traffic Control Aviation Safety System. So, give you some excerpts from this New York Times piece. The last two years, air traffic controllers and others have submitted hundreds of complaints to a Federal Aviation Administration hotline describing issues like dangerous staffing shortages, mental health problems, deteriorating buildings and equipment. There are at least seven reports of controllers sleeping when they were on duty and five reports about employees working while under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Now, we know these air traffic controller jobs, high stakes, right? Incredible amounts of pressure, even in the best of conditions. There's been a nationwide staffing shortage, years of employee turnover, tight budgets, and that's forced many controllers to work six-day weeks and 10-hour days. Times reports the result is a fatigued, distracted, and demoralized workforce that's increasingly prone to making mistakes. And these findings based on interviews from more than 70 current and former air traffic controllers, pilots, and federal officials, thousands of pages of federal safety reports, and internal FAA records. So, you know, day to day, many of you travel, right? And the skies are incredibly safe overall, right? But there are some potentially dangerous close calls that have been happening, like the one we were just talking about at ABIA in February of this year. On average, according to the Times, they're happening multiple times a week. And some controllers say they are concerned that a deadly crash is inevitable. Times found that the combination of these six-day work weeks and round-the-clock schedules have caused controllers to develop physical and mental health problems. Many of them try to find professional help. Others don't because they say doing so would jeopardize their medical clearances they need to work. And so some are turning to sleeping pills, some to alcohol, and, and even weed, I guess, to cope. And then others resign or retire. FAA says that more than 1,400 controllers, about 10% of the total workforce, will be departing this fiscal year. You might remember since the Reagan administration put thousands of striking controllers out of work, they have struggled to keep pace with the waves of retirements and the problems grown worse during the pandemic. And at that time, the FAA slowed training of new controllers. So for the current fiscal year, the FAA was looking for $117 million to train controllers and, and hire 1,800 new ones. But the Times reports, training's difficult. Many aspiring controllers fail says from 2011 to 2022, the number of fully certified controllers declined by more than 9%, even though air traffic increased. And based on targets set by the FAA, get this, 99% of the nation's air traffic control sites are understaffed. 
Well, that's all of them, right? Can we just say that's just about all of them? Controllers at 40% of the facilities work six-day weeks. And the number of overtime hours clocked by these controllers has nearly tripled over the past 10 years. So, as I mentioned, it's a multi-page report, if you print it out, out of the New York Times. Some really troubling and concerning examples, just anecdotal, one by one, of controllers and some of their behaviors and some of their issues and how they're trying to cope with all this. And I guess maybe I shouldn't be surprised if I can offer a little sidebar comment about the the piece itself. It was very lengthy, a real investigative piece. Obviously, a lot of work went into this. But what do you know? In this entire article, they reference FAA spokespeople and, you know, that kind of thing. Not one mention of the guy that's in charge of all of this at the top. I'm not talking about President Biden. I am talking about a cabinet-level secretary, transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg. His name is not mentioned one time in this report. A report like this, wouldn't you think the the good journalists that have done some work here on the part of the New York Times would try to get in touch with his office and say, hey, Pete, this is your shop, buddy. This is your watch. This is your deal. Granted, it's only one part of your cabinet-level responsibilities, a very big part, I would add, and, and one that's so impactful on business travel, commerce, people taking vacations, right? Just pleasure travel and all the rest. No mention of of trying to get any kind of comment from Pete Buttigieg, our transportation secretary. I think that's a real failing of the article. Maybe just predictable from the likes of the New York Times, right? So favorable, more times than not, to the Biden administration on any given day. But don't want that to be lost in the main point of this article. Some major issues in our air traffic control system doesn't appear a a lot of help is on the way. Significant staffing shortages, a lot of long work hours, a lot of overtime, six-day weeks, and all the rest. Not good. And we had a, a situation... And we talked about earlier in February, again, 3,000 pages from the National Transportation Safety Board. They didn't say this was an issue with the air traffic controllers. The final report is not, is not out. This was a preliminary investigation, if you will, the determination as to the probable cause for this close call expected early next year. 512-836-0590. Lots of time for you to join us. Give us a call or send us a text right here on KLBJ. And Kenny Rahlmeyer back with you here on a Sunday afternoon. Thanks for being with us on News Radio KLBJ. This was right before the weekend. A U.S. appeals court ordered the state of Texas to remove those floating migrant barriers down on the Rio Grande. They're buoys, right? The uh, They were deployed as a part of Operation Lone Star by Texas Governor Greg Abbott back in June. 
And this ruling now, uh, which, by the way, included testimony from state officials saying the hazards near the barriers already made it difficult for airboats to operate. And the court said those conditions made the buoys an obstruction banned by federal law. Well, Texas Governor Greg Abbott was on Fox News earlier today. He was asked about this ruling from the appeals court, and the governor said, nope, they got it wrong. With all due respect, the appeals court got it wrong, and the reason is because they relied upon a law more than 100 years old uh, saying that we could not deploy these buoys in the water, preventing people from entering the United States illegally, uh, because uh, the, the waterway uh, is categorized as a navigable waterway, which is absurd uh, because it is not navig navigable by definition when you have uh, literally thousands of people able to walk across it every single day. It's not used for transportation of boats up and down that riverway, and so it's completely not navigable. Uh, we had uh, a, a majority Democrats uh, who were on that panel uh, making that decision, what Texas is going to be doing, and we will be seeking what's called an en banc ruling by the entire Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And if we lose there, we will be taking that to the United States Supreme Court because we know Texas has the right to legally deploy those buoys in the water to prevent people from entering our country and our state illegally. And beyond that, uh, the governor said we're going to try to keep deploying these kinds of systems and, and doing what it's going to take to do what the state of Texas can to deter more illegals coming across the border. So, Maria, not only are, are we intending to uh, try to keep the buoys remain in place, but we continue to be adding more barriers. Uh, uh, Maria, we either have already built or have under construction uh, more border wall uh, than what the Trump administration was able to put up. Uh, we are building these razor wire uh, barriers with National Guard standing behind them, uh, preventing illegal entry. Uh, and we will be passing this law to arrest uh, illegal immigrants coming into the state of Texas. And so we, as a state, continue to deploy more action, fighting back against the Biden administration's open border policies, doing everything we can to prevent illegal entry into our country. And so, as it's reported that uh, here locally at the legislature, Texas lawmakers uh, passed some legislation on Friday. It would provide an additional $1.5 billion for state border security efforts, including the more walls and other barriers on the southern border that bill now goes to the governor's desk and he indicated uh, that uh, he's going to be signing that very soon for, for one the, the problem is uh, extraordinarily bad uh, the numbers are high and it's because joe biden continues to uh, lay out the welcome mat uh, welcoming uh, illegal immigrants into the united states of america that said, uh, what we've seen in our numbers in the state of Texas is uh, because of uh, the wall that we have built, because of these uh, razor wire barriers that we have built, uh, Texas is now no longer uh, the number one Ill illegal entry point. Uh, it is uh, the uh, Tucson sector, the San Diego sector, uh, and other states. Uh, and, and Texas is causing the cartels to have to alter uh, their routes, that uh, their, their routes uh, where people are coming across the border illegally. That's said, Texas is having to step up and do even more uh, to make sure that we deny illegal entry into the state of Texas. 
And as a result, uh, Maria, in two weeks, I'll be signing a new law in the state of Texas uh, that will make it illegal for people to enter the state of Texas uh, from another country illegally and authorizing every peace officer in the state of Texas to arrest those people entering our country illegally. NBC News reports that the Biden administration is, I'm quoting here, facing a monumental crisis as unlawful border crossings spike and migrants arrive in crowded cities with no jobs or places to sleep. NBC says this is stirring resentment among Democrat governors and mayors who were part of the president's governing coalition. And at the same time, the so-called tougher enforcement measures are risking alienating a lot of these Hispanic voters and others who are part of Biden's political base. Says so far, no one seems satisfied. Democrats have seen their advantage over Republicans on border and immigration issues vanish. NBC News polling shows the Republicans now hold an 18-point lead when it comes to handling immigration. And yet, you know, this report says a, a monumental crisis. Guess what? The crisis has been going on for years, and we see very little in the way of any kind of change coming from the administration, right? We talk about it all the time here on KLBJ. As we begin to wrap up, I want to just mention a couple of things here. Uh, the the debate that took place a few days ago, right? This was on uh, Fox on Thursday night between Florida Governor DeSantis, California Governor Newsom. As I said, I, I thought it was going to be a, a, a ratings hit for Sean Hannity, and, and sure enough, it was. That debate more than doubled Hannity's average ratings. His average ratings around two and a quarter million people in November of that particular debate, 4.75 million viewers. And so I thought one of the best things about it, as I mentioned, I think on the last show we, we did, I was glad to see no audience. I think any and all debates going forward ought to have no audience. I think that's a real positive for the audience, for the viewing audience, to not have face painters and uh, fist pumpers in the local audience there. Hey, put them in another room, right? They can be there and they can get FaceTime with the, the candidates later on if, if they want. I, I still keep seeing these reports about conflict between the Democratic National Committee, the Republican National Committee. They can't come to terms on any of the proposed debates for next year. I am still not convinced there's going to even be one. They say there's going to be four I think that's very unlikely at this point. A couple other things real quick as we wrap up. How about this? Noise cameras on the streets of New York City. They're going to have these cameras that would activate if a vehicle reaches at least 85 decibels from 50 feet or more away. And you could get fines. They're going to mail it to you just like the um, the license plate readers and, and the you know the speeding cameras are doing now. $800 for the first offense, up to $2,600 some dollars for a third offense coming to the streets of New York City. So you got that to look forward to if you're cranking up your tunes a little too loud. And we're out of time for this afternoon. Thanks a lot for being with us. Thanks to executive producer Garrett 
and uh, the latest in news coming up next right here on News Radio KLBJ.